Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. Very busy weekend in the Moran household. We did pick up our new dog, Bella, yesterday. Billy and I drove up to Warwick, Rhode Island to get her. And a big shout out to Little Roadie Rescue and Quarantine Incorporated. They have no idea who I am, obviously. But we used that service to find her. Long story short, I found her while looking on Pet Finder, and she literally looked exactly like my old dog, Molly, which, yeah, I'm weird that way, but it's like we... We have three pit bulls and we have a yellow lab. We've always had some type of yellow lab-like dog for many, many years. So we kind of wanted something in that vein. We looked at her and it was like, my gosh, it was almost the same age as when we got Molly. It looked exactly like Molly, the same mix of breeds as Molly. So long story short, we called up about her and it was one of those places that they bring the dogs up from down south. So these are coming from apparently Tennessee where there is a lot of, they have high kill shelters. Apparently this is the deal. They have high kill shelters. So the people from Rhode Island hook up to bring some of these dogs up and they basically adopt them out. And I've always been wary to use one of these services or one of these types of rescue agencies, or for lack of a better term, because it's always nice to meet the dog before they drive, you know, how many miles is that all the way up here? I, I, I always worried about that situation where we were looking at a dog, we get it up here and it's like, this isn't going to work. And then Billy and I talked about the fact that we have never gone to meet a dog that we were intent on adopting that we didn't take home. It was even one that I went, we drove, oh God, it was like over an hour to go meet her. And I bent down to say hi to her and she jumped up and accidentally bit me in the lip. And the guy that we were with that was showing us the dog was like, okay, well, we we have other dogs here. You can take a look. I'm like, no, no, it was my fault. It was my fault completely. She was coming up to give me a kiss and kind of got me in the mouth. And she ended up being one of the best dogs we ever had. She was, didn't have a mean bone in her body. So we decided to give it a go. And basically, it was one of those deals where they went to the PetSmart up in Warwick. You came in. There were so many dogs there. It was actually kind of overwhelming. I'm not a huge people person, but there were so many dogs, so many people. And we got to meet her, bring her home, and she's been fantastic. So unfortunately, that means probably no video this week because we just haven't had time to get one done because right now my focus is on making sure the dog does well here she's comfortable which so far she slept through the night which was absolutely amazing we've never had a new rescue we've had I think eight or nine rescues now never had a new rescue sleep entirely through the night that was just bonkers she's getting along with the other dogs she's slowly coming out of her shell with the people it's just been awesome so I snuck off for a little bit from playing with my new beautiful dog to come up here and do the podcast but I did want to you know, again shout out to Little Roadie Rescue and Quarantine Incorporated if you guys are in the area I guess they can't from the sounds of things, because of the whole pandemic garbage, they can't uh, work with anybody in Massachusetts, if I read that correctly, but they're definitely working with people in Rhode Island and Connecticut, and I would definitely encourage you to check them out. I mean, they, even just going into this event, I was like, this is going to be chaotic, and they had just wonderful setups. They had so many volunteers, a lot of young people there, like teenagers and such, that were sitting, they had the, each pen set up with the dog in it so people could go by and see the dogs, and they were in there with newspaper clean. As soon as somebody would wet, they'd clean it up. It was just a great experience all around. So awesome experience. New dog. Very excited. The other thing, I just wanted to thank folks that listen to the podcast. This will probably be the second to last one of the year. And so obviously, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody out there because I don't think I'll have the other one done. We'll see. Maybe I'll do one right before Christmas. That could be kind of fun for people that are driving. But anyway, I've been contacted like five times this week from folks. And we're talking not the spam filter contacts because I get a lot of those. We're talking the legit ones where they actually refer to me as Tom and not Tom's Big Spiders or Hey Podcast or whatever. A lot of folks wanting to advertise on my podcast. The numbers apparently have been quite good, which is great. And again, I think it's a modest number of listeners. I'm not sitting. I don't want 
about people thinking we got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. It's nothing like that. But it just, again, when I started this thing off, I honestly did not think it would last. I, I, my goal, just like it was for my YouTube channel, was if I got 100 people, that would be great. I'd keep it going. And we've definitely gone well above and beyond that. And the numbers continue to grow, which is great because honestly, I, I'm shocked that people want to listen to me yammer on about spiders for this long. But the one thing that's come out is people, it, apparently I get people through their day, I get people through their drives, I get people through boring events, meetings. I love the ones that tell me that they put on you know the earphones, they have the earbuds in and they're listening while they have a meeting. That's amazing because I've been there where I'm listening to stuff where I'm supposed to be paying attention to other things. It, it just means a lot that it's done so well. I mean, this was something that it was an experiment from the get-go and I've said this many, many times. But to see and appreciate where it's, you know, what it's grown to, what it's become has been pretty amazing. And again, I like having the forum. It's it's a nice way on a Sunday to begin the week, sit down and talk about tarantulas and spiders, which is something I absolutely enjoy doing. So again, thank you. And I really, you know, obviously when I post these on Facebook, I usually say something, thanks for listening. And somebody commented that was kind of weird. They're like, thank you for putting it out there. But no, I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. It, it does mean a lot that you know, the efforts that I put into this are obviously very well worth it. And, and for the record, I didn't return any of the emails from the people who want to advertise. They want to advertise really weird things, but it, it's obviously making some noise out there and it's obviously doing well enough that we're starting to, I don't know, whatever metric things there are out there to measure it. People that are looking for podcasts that have a decent audience to advertise on are somehow finding Tom's Big Spiders. So that's pretty cool because we're this tiny little podcast with this little weird dude that sits up in a room and talks about spiders for an hour. That is so such a narrow topic that it's amazing that we've been able to find this many people that enjoy it. So thank you. Today, we are going to spend a little bit of time talking about some differences and some care for true spiders versus the care of tarantulas a bit. So basically, what's what's brought this one uh, on is the fact that obviously I've been getting a lot of true spiders and trapdoor spiders, purse web spiders, just branching out beyond tarantulas. It was something that I knew I would do eventually, but avoided for quite some time. And again, I've explained that the biggest issue for me was, and, and we'll get into some of the breakdowns, but one of the biggest issues for me was longevity. I had a hard time with the fact that I could purchase a, I don't know, P. regius sling, and within a year and a couple months, it would be dead, where I could go out and purchase a, I don't know, H. Giga sling, and within you know a couple months, it would be pretty big, but it would still be alive, and it would go on to live for at least 10, 12 more years, depending, well, obviously male or female, but the longevity factor was a tough one for me to wrap my mind around, and it wasn't so much just money involved, it's I like the fact that they're around a long time. One of the things where you'd start to build a collection is you like having those animals in your collection. It's like you feel like if one of them passes away, there is now a void. You no longer have that species in your collection. For me, it's like when I lose a tarantula, I feel like I need to go out and find that exact species again to fill that void. It's it's just this compulsion. I'm, I'm, I'm sure some people are like, nah, just move on and get something else. I totally get that. And for some species, I don't go out and rebuy them. I sit there and go, all right, that was fun, but it might be a one and done. Like I'm going to stay away from that one for a little while and try a new species. But I'm sure some people out there understand what I'm saying. And that for me, getting into the true spiders or the shorter lived spiders, 
that became my main hangup. And for years, I would have people come on and say, hey, when are you ever going to get into true spiders? You should, you should try true spiders. A lot of folks out there will do tarantulas and true spiders. I've spoken to many folks out there that start with the true spiders first. They catch a wolf spider around their house. They raise it up. They feed it. It, it kind of creates that love for the arachnids, for the you know spiders. And then they move into tarantulas. So I think a lot of people for a long time were really eager for me to get into it. Now, I know there's folks out there right now that are listening to that this, and I apologize. that are going, I have zero interest in keeping anything other than tarantulas. And for this, I apologize because a lot of this is going to be about the true spiders. But what I would encourage you, and for some folks, it's just never going to be their deal, but I would encourage you to be open-minded to it. I feel like I kind of closed myself off mentally to keeping the shorter-lived true spiders for quite some time, and I've missed out because it's become a new obsession of mine. Now, I'm not abandoning tarantulas. I always got to say that because there are folks, every time I put something out featuring true spiders or you know whatever, the purse webs or whatever, somebody will come on and go, hey, that's really nice, but please don't you know shy away from tarantulas or please don't make this all about spiders and it's like all right a it's tom's big spiders we've gone over this before and i kind of left it open because again there are other big spiders out there other than tarantulas and tarantulas will always be my first love but i am kind of broadening out a little bit and i figured there isn't a lot out there for some of the true spiders or the purse webs or whatever it may be for care so i can always offer up my input on the care which i am no expert at at the moment i want to make that very clear there's a caveat there i am having knock on wood some good luck with them i'm raising them up we have a couple of them mature I'm on my second generation for a couple of them that I've raised up. I've raised P. Regius before and obviously bred them and then raised the offspring up to maturity. I'm on my second group of Latrodectris variolis, or the Northern Black Widow. We had some of those earlier, and then Billy found a sack recently. She does pest control, and she opened up a mice bait container, whatever, I'm sure there's a better name for that, and found a big Northern Black Widow female guarding a sack. And unfortunately, she said the, the female bolted and left the sack there unattended. So we brought the sack home. I hatched the sack out. Raised a bunch of babies, fed them for a little while, let some of them back in the wild, and kept a few of them for myself. And they're doing well. We got one big female now, really big female now, that hopefully be showing off in a video over the vacation. But anyway, it's just been a new, for me, it's all about the learning aspect of it. I could never get to a point, and I, I hate to say this, I, if I got to a point where I thought I knew everything, which will never happen because I'm always open-minded, and I try to stay open-minded. But if I ever got to a point where it's like, ah, eh, there's nothing left to learn, that would take a, a lot of the fun out of it for me. For me, this, a big part of the hobby is doing the research, is reading books about spiders and, and learning more about them. Like right now I'm reading a book about spider anatomy, trying to learn more about that aspect of it. It's it's always about learning as much as possible. And then when I learn stuff, I want to share it. So it ends up in a podcast or a video. So just to start it off that I haven't made a big deal. I haven't done videos of all these. And part of the problem was I got a couple orders in that came in when I wasn't expecting them to show up. Long story. I won't get into that. It wasn't it was pretty much my fault because I had ordered under an address that didn't have my name on it. And by the time I sent a message, it got confusing. The box went out. But I had a, anyway, I had a couple boxes show up that I didn't have things set up for. So we didn't do videos, uh, unboxing videos, because quite frankly, I had to worry about getting these enclosures set up in these tarantulas rehouse. And I need to concentrate on that. So some of these people don't even know I have. But some of the true spiders, the trapdoor slash purse web spiders I have, we have P. Regius. I have one female, adult female, Heteropodra tetrica black. Heteropoda maxima tie cave spider. Those are the ones that are thought to be very similar to the H regular H maximas or the giant huntsman spiders. Absolutely loving those. Heteropoda venatoria, Heteropoda la luna. So all huntsman spiders. Heteropoda boia. 
Bayi or Boi. We're going to go Boi. How's that? Somebody's going to correct my my Latin pronunciation here, but there are just so many vowels and it. it just causes my head to kind of spin. And then we have Fufia species gold or the wafer web or water lid uh, trapdoor spiders. Those have been awesome. Cupianius getazi, which uh, I'm not sure the common name of that. It's rusty something wandering spider. Cupienius salai or salai, salai, I guess it would be the tiger wandering spider. My buddy Charles sent me one as a surprise, and it has been a beauty. So, getting into those wandering spiders. And then, obviously, the aforementioned Latrodectris variolus and Linotheli phallix, the curtain web spider. And I think that's all the ones I currently have. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Um, no, I guess that's about it. A lot of, a lot of, you know, I, I think I have doubles of many of these. So we're talking about about 15, 16 true spiders, trapdoor spiders, and loving them. Absolutely loving them. Just it's one of my favorite things now to come up and check. I got them all in one spot. What I really want to do is hopefully over the vacation, I can do a spot just for everything that's not tarantulas. Because right now they're in the general area, but there's a couple of them. There are different spots. I want to shelf just for them. But the big thing, and I talked about this earlier, that my biggest hang up for not getting into keeping these guys was the lack of longevity, was the fact that many of them, not all of them, but many of them, like the Huntsman spiders, the P. regius, the, oh, I know, I, Dolomites triton is one of the ones I have, a fishing spider. That's another one that I have. They all live about a year, a little over, you know, males about a year. They mature out early. Females might be a little over a year. I had a couple of the regius go, it was like 14, 15 months or so, maybe a little bit longer. I'd have to double check on that but for the most part they're mature and dead before easily before two years are up which is a tough thing to get the hang of however what I'm enjoying about them now ironically is the fact that they grow because of the fact they go through their life cycle so quickly the growth rate has been amazing to watch with tarantulas you get to the point where with some species you're looking at months before they molt and then there isn't really a lot of change especially you know I'm looking at the Afonopelma species Brachypelma uh, Gramostola species, some of the other slower growing uh, genera of tarantulas, you have a little brown sling for quite some time. I have some Afonopelmas over here, and granted, I adore them, and they will be with me forever. They will probably be with my kids or grandkids forever, but that is something that is tough when you first get into it to get used to is the fact it takes forever to grow some of these guys up. Now, some grow quickly, more quickly than others. You know, Theraphosa species, within a year, you're going to have a big spider. But the growth rate on tarantulas is slow. Yes, they live longer, but you're taking, it takes a lot longer for you to see your, the fruits of your labors pay off and have that full-grown adult there. Wherein, with many of these species of spiders I'm keeping right now, the growth rate is astounding. For example, the H Maximas that I just picked up about, what, four months ago, maybe? They've both molted four times already. One of them's about to be on their fifth molt, and they've gone from about half-inch slings to the biggest of the two is pushing probably over two and a half inches or so. So some really good growth. You can see the pattern on them, and they're, they increase quite a bit with each molt, which is something some tarantulas, obviously some tarantula species can put on massive gains between molts, but there are other species that don't. So it's just weird having something that is molting that frequently. We're talking like so far once a month, almost more than once a month, they, they eat, they fill up, they have a short little pre-molt period. Next thing you know, there's a bigger spider in there. That's been really cool to watch. With the other Huntsman, same thing. The majority of the Huntsman spiders that I keep are growing very, very quickly. My H... 
Tetrika Black. I picked up. Now, this was a bigger one when I got her. She was right around, that. I want to say the inch mark or so. She's over two inches now. She has molted three times. Big, beautiful spider right off the bat. Now, obviously, with that fast growth rate is going to come a much, much shorter lifespan. But as far as I'm concerned, the point I'm at in my collection with my tarantulas is I'm being very picky and choosy. I have a huge batch of animals that I care for and I want to care for them at a certain standard and I'm always careful to not get too many things above what I can a what I'm going to have room for when they grow up that's a a big part of managing your collection we went over this before without it you know pitfalls you can fall into people will go out they'll buy a bunch of slings next you know the faster grower ones are full grown and they've run out of room because they don't have the room for the proper cages I never want to get to that point so I've gotten to the point right now in my collection that we're slowing on buying a few things here and now there may be a salmopia species that somebody has that I've been looking for that I'll be picking up. There's a couple other spiders on my wish list that I will grab, but for the time being, we're slowing down. But the nice thing about keeping shorter-lived spiders is the fact that you grow them up, they get in their adult enclosure, and then you know, again, it's sad when they pass after you know the the 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 month mark or whatever. But now you have freed up that enclosure and you can start over again with something else. So it's allowing me to keep a lot more animals in the in a much shorter time span it's allowing me to grow up a lot more animals in a lot shorter time span one of the things with tom's big spiders is i will buy you know tarantulas that i know there isn't a lot of information out there on so that i can grow them up and do the husbandry on them but some of them take so long to grow that i've got ones that i picked up you know three four years ago that i'm waiting to do a you know juvenile slash young adult rehousing on so that i can talk about their care because again i don't feel it's genuine to sit there and go hey i know how to care for for these guys when you haven't grown them all the way up to adulthood. Once they hit adulthood and they, you know, you have a young female, young adult female or a mature male, then you can kind of go, all right, I did it. But until that point, I hate coming forward with stuff and saying like, hey, this is, I'm an authority on this because I haven't done it yet. The nice thing about the true spiders is that I can do that in a much shorter time and be able to talk about it. So, you know, hence here we are talking a bit about the true spiders and whatnot. So the growth longevity thing, it's got the pros and cons. Cons, you're not going to have those spiders for years and years and years like you will with your tarantulas. Pros, you get to watch them grow up and be these beautiful adults in a much quicker amount of time. And it does allow for more of a circulation of different specimens into your collection because you, know, you can do what I, you know, sadly with some of these spiders, I found that they, when they die and they pass off, it can be difficult trying to acquire new ones. So what I do is just try to get, you know, a different species or a different, you know, genus of spider. But the bottom line is you get to kind of rotate what you're keeping a little more. And that's kind of cool too. It gives you a chance to really try out different things, see the different behaviors, different color patterns, different growth rates, different feeding activities, all of that in a much shorter amount of time. So again, this is the big one that I have to, you know, eat some crow on because I've told people many, many, many times over the years, yeah, I really don't like getting into the true spiders. I don't think true spiders are as cool as tarantulas because they don't live as long. And I realized the error of my ways. Now, another big difference I've noticed between tarantulas and many of the true spiders is the methods of hunting and catching prey. It's been really an eye opener to see how different it is because you figure you've fed, I got, I've done thousands, obviously thousands of feedings 
over the course of my tenure in the hobby. And you get to see, you know, the normal ones like the regular, like Grandma Stola or Fauna Pelma species, the ones we, you know, you drop a cricket, it kind of grabs a cricket up and eats it. Then you have your Formictopus where they sense the cricket and they might storm across the cage and, and grab it. You have ones with really good feeding instincts. You have ones that are really good hunters. But watching the true spiders hunt, watching some of these, especially the huntsman spiders, the way they move, how quick they move, it's a totally different ball game. I love and I'm trying the the hard part about it is I would love to catch some video of this to put up some videos for folks that are, you know, are on the fence and like, hey, I've had people go, you talk about how great they are when they eat. Can you show some of this? Well, I'm trying. I really am. They move so quickly though. Sometimes like I got the camera ready, it's boop, it's grabbed it and I haven't even hit the record button or I don't get a good shot of it. It's been tricky, but I will get some footage of it. I do want to get some footage of it. We're going to be feeding later on today. I'm hoping to get some footage of it. But watching, there are more active hunters than many species of tarantulas. We've talked about before that one of the reasons why we don't give tarantulas gigantic enclosure, a lot of reasons why people can keep them in smaller enclosures is they will usually dig a little burrow. That'll be their home base. They'll web out in front of it. They have like their little welcome mat for the prey that's coming their way. And then usually they kind of wait in one spot and they're ambush predators. They wait for the prey to come to them. Now, I've had folks come on and say, oh, I've seen mine go out and hunt. Well, yes, if if they're by their burrow. I've seen Pisolotheria do it. I've seen some Formictibus do it. And they recognize something's in that enclosure with them. They will go out and retrieve it because think about it, usually the enclosures aren't all that big. So they're not so much active hunting. They're not going around praying, you know, wandering for, you know, dozens of yards trying to find prey items. They're usually right around that general vicinity of their burrow with the safety of their burrow. And they go out and they wait out and wait for something to come by them. With the spiders, what I've seen is things that literally actively hunt like they sprint across the enclosure trying to find things. Their eyesight is better. Many of these spiders I'm keeping, their eyesight is better than those, the eyesight of tarantulas. So they're able to spot prey much more quickly. I love, for example, P. Regis. If you haven't watched P. Regis hunt, it is one of the most adorable and fascinating things ever because they immediately, when you open up the enclosure, I've had one see that I have a little, in my tongs, a roach, and then start acting accordingly. Like they are ready to jump at the tongs and grab the roach. And the other day I went to feed my female. I took the top off. I watched her follow me as like with her little eyes, with her little body as I went to feed it. She was following me, following me, following me. As soon as I put that roach down, she was on the hunt. She had no care whatsoever what I was doing. She was focused on that thing. It was completely across the enclosure and she stalked it down, swept down on it, grabbed it and killed it. It's fantastic to watch. Even the Northern Widows, watching them grab the prey item, bite it, web it up. They kick that webbing at it and wrap it all up in a little circle. It's just fantastic to watch, fun to watch, just something different. The huntsmen, again, they have those, the positioning of their legs allows them to move not only quickly, but sideways, laterally. I've watched ones, literally, I open the enclosure, the thing's all the way up at the top back in the enclosure. I drop a roach at the front of the enclosure, and that thing is immediately on the hunt, swoops down, grabs it, wraps it up in a blink of an eye. And so it, watching these guys hunt, it has been, I, I was telling people I work with about the, you know, the hunts, what's different about the regular spiders and I was talking about feeding them and hunting them they go well isn't it all the same you drop it in they eat it and it's like no you have to see it to really appreciate it and for those of us that really do like you know our eight-legged friends and like feeding them and love feeding time it just adds a little spark it adds a little something different to the tarantulas not to say tarantulas are boring because they're not I love feeding my tarantulas I will always love feeding my tarantulas but it's that novelty of seeing something that hunts a little bit differently trapdoor spiders now again I have the eye mira the Bluefoot Baboon, I think it is. I always mess up the common name for that one. 
But that was one of the only trapdoor tarantulas I have, and I love watching that. I have right now the purse web spider that has the linotheli phallix that right now is probably about two and a half inches. Again, another fast-growing one. But these guys, I believe the females live quite a few years, if I'm not mistaken. But she, watching her on, she has webbed the snot out of her whole enclosure. Took her a little while to get going. She has several entrances and exits. And I have video where I drop a cricket in. She bolts out, sprints around that enclosure, grabs that cricket, and is back in that burrow in probably less than a second. They are just so lightning fast, fun to watch, beautiful spiders when they come out. And again, just a new thing for me to observe, a new type of spider for me to watch the activity, the movement. The other ones I recently fed that was adorable to watch, I have Fufius species gold. Those are the water web or water, what was it, wafer web or water lid trapdoor spiders. The fun part was I was currently reading the book Spiders of the World, a natural history, and it just kind of touches on all different species of spiders and purse webs, and it covers everything. There's one little spot on tarantulas. I think there's a uh, what is it? Uh, Brachypelma hamorii, I believe, is the one they focus on there. But anyway, just lots of different things about what, you know, physiologically, how they're different, how their behaviors are different. And I had read about the Fufia species. I'm like, these guys sound pretty cool because they talked about how the fact in the wild that if it dries way out, they will actually burrow to find moisture. And I love that there was something that finally said that because I've been telling, you know, uh, talking about for years, that if tarantulas want moisture, they can burrow down. And then if it gets too moist, they can build these little socks, these little tubes up the sides of trees into the bark and they will hunt that way and I have two of them set up one of them went and burrowed right down one of them I gave it a little more space up top and it built the little funnel web going up or the little tube web going up and love watching these guys hunt because they are fast as lightning you drop a prey at them in and one of them has a little hole down in the base and then it has that basically that little tube going up the side and one time it shot out of the tube on the top came down grabbed the thing the roach had started to climb up the tube it grabbed the roach pulled it back in the other time it shot out of the bottom hole I wasn't expecting that grabbed the roach they're fun to watch hunt they're again growing quickly and again I think they're one of the ones that will you know live a little bit longer so there are those in-between species we can get a couple years or a few years out of them so that's been a big part of it for me is actually observing those feeding behaviors and watching they're so different in many ways than tarantulas and they can be so different from each other I definitely at some point got to get true real trapdoor spiders that's the next uh, thing on my list is I'm dying to get some actual Trapdoor spiders, the ones that have the little trapdoors with the leads, they go up. Definitely going to pick some of those up in the future. So big difference in the feeding, hunting, the behavior, the hunting patterns, behaviors, definitely something worth checking out. Now, another thing, I was just talking to my buddy Charles about this, and we he, he brought up a very good point, and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's true. Rehousings. There are a lot more rehousings involved with some of these spiders I keep because of the fast growth rates. And that was something that kind of took me some time to get the hang of. You know, I'm used to being able to size up a sling. I'd be able to look at the genus, the species, and go, all right, this one's going to grow a little bit faster, so we're going to put it in a larger enclosure. This one's going to grow a little bit slower, so we're going to keep it something smaller so I can keep an eye on it. I'm used to doing that with tarantulas. What I'm not used to so much is putting them into something and having to rehouse two months later after they molt twice and put on massive size. And that's something that I've learned with the, well, the huntsmen, the, luckily I've had P. regis before. I've seen how actively they hunt. They are a species that you can give them a larger enclosure and we'll get to that in a moment and they will actively hunt it. But for some of these, like I will say that some of the huntsman spiders I got were tiny little specks. My H. bayi or bowi was so 
tiny at first that I was actually worried the fruit flies were going to be too big for it. Same thing with my H. Lanula, I have one that is, even now, she's molted three times, super tiny. When I first got her, I was honestly concerned that she had escaped the vial. It was a small vial, about two and a half inches tall by maybe an inch and an eighth across. Not a very big vial at all. I had some you know, foliage in it, whatever. I could not find that. Most of the time, I could not find the spider. I was so afraid she was dead. And when I dropped the, originally, I tried to give her a tiny, tiny roach. I dropped the roach, and the roach was way bigger than she was. So I had to pull the roach out, try to get some fruit flies. Anyway, they start off very, very tiny. So I do want to make sure that I give them enclosures that they can find the prey items in, and more importantly, that I can keep track of them so I don't panic and think I lost my spiders. However, they outgrow those very quickly. Now, the H. Lanula is actually still, even after three molds, still small enough for this enclosure. The Heteropoda bayi or boi, that one is already pushing an inch and starting to pick up a little bit of green tone and we'll need a rehousing soon. So that's been taking some, it reminds me back in the day when I first got into tarantulas and you'd get like the little, uh, you get a G rosea and you put it in this Amac box, this tiny little G rosea, things like an eighth of an inch in an Amac box. And you go, wow, this thing is really big, but it'll grow into it. And then like a year later, it hasn't grown barely at all. It, it reminds me of that in some ways with the Lanula. And then with the other one, it reminds me of like when you'd get a Formictopus species and you put it in the little sling enclosure and two molts later, it was way too big for the sling enclosure. It's going back to that feeling, which I think again is part of what I'm enjoying about, you know, moving out and trying some other species of spiders is again, the learning part of it, the getting the experience with them. They're going up. Oh, I messed up here. This one's too small. Oh, I messed up here. This one's too big. That's been a pretty big deal for me. And that's what's made this kind of this transition kind of fun. The other two spiders that are growing very, very quickly are my wandering spiders. I already have to, one of them just molted. Oh God, it wasn't even, it was like three weeks ago. And I turned to Billy and I'm like, hey, guess what? We're going to have to rehouse one of these soon. This will be fun. Well, I fed it twice and it just molted again. So already right, two molts in like a month's time. And now it is the full leg span across as the dram violets in. So that definitely needs a rehousing. So definitely something to keep in mind if anybody makes that transition to keep some of these, keeping some of these faster growing, you know, true tarantula species is the fact that you will be doing more rehousings. Now, as I spend more time with them, will I get a little better at gauging and will that lead to probably fewer rehousing. Yes, I think after I feel, you know, get to feel a little more secure with the fact that these guys are much more active hunters than tarantulas, and that if I put them in a larger enclosure and put some prey items in, they will find the prey items. I'm already starting to realize that, and that will get us to the next topic here how they're different from the tarantulas. I, I think I will feel more comfortable with that. It'll be easier. So the other thing moving on into is as far as housing's concerned, the fact that what I'm realizing with some of these species, you need bigger housing. With tarantulas, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, a lot of them, you can put them in smaller enclosures, give them room to you know create a little den or burrow or for arboreals, give them some room to get off the ground and be able to hunt. But for the most part, you don't have to go crazy with the size of the enclosure. What I'm realizing with these guys, with their growth rates, not only the growth rates, but with how actively they they hunt, they are going to require larger enclosures than I would normally give a tarantula of that size. So for example, I'm already looking at the wandering spiders and I've looked up a lot of, you know, video of wandering spiders, not only in the wild, but people on YouTube that have had them and watched how actively they are, how active they are when they hunt, I now realize that I want to give them a lot of room to be able to do that. So where normally I might have a four inch spider in a, I don't know, eight by eight by 12, Exoterra Nano, 
I, in this case, I may go to something much bigger to give them more room to actively hunt because it's fun to watch and it's something that they naturally do. So obviously, if you put it in a smaller enclosure, I'm sure they still do just fine. I'm still, you know, the, the big thing is they don't really have to go too far to try to hunt it. You're going to drop a prey at them and they're going to whoop, prey at them, boom, on it. But I do think that I want to give them the opportunity to kind of flex those legs, flex that muscle, flex that speed, and be able to go out actively hunt. So I'm already eyeing something for my... H Maximas, I have these two that I haven't done anything with. Huge primal cage, arboreal enclosures. They're about, I think, 18 inches high, maybe even 20 inches high, and then like 14 inches by 14 inches. They are big, and I think the Huntsman will probably end up in there. I also may do the same type of enclosure. If these, I know the Wandering Spiders I have, one of them supposedly gets four and a half inches or so. That's a big spider. That will probably get a much larger enclosure. They also like to have some room on the ground, so I'm thinking of maybe an aquarium in some of these instances because the Huntsman and the Wandering Spiders, they will go up off the ground and obviously have some arboreal tendencies in that respect, but they will also go to the ground and hunt along the ground. So I want to make sure I give them plenty of room to do a bit of roam and hunt. So that's something I'm now realizing that originally when I got into keeping these, I'm like, oh, they're much smaller than tarantulas. I will need smaller enclosures so they'll take up less space. And now I'm realizing that might not be the case. These are spiders, some of these species that will benefit from having more room to be able to do what they would normally do in nature. And that's something always we want to set them up as best possible to make them as comfortable as possible and allow them to flex some of those naturalistic instincts. So in the future, when I do rehousings of these and they hit the, you know, their adult size, I will definitely be doing some larger enclosures. I have a lot of things around here. I also have the, what is the, the one, the European enclosure. I can't think of that. I feel bad now. I can't think of the name of it, but the European one I got, I think would make a great home for these because it's a huge arboreal enclosure. I'm definitely going to put them in bigger stuff and hopefully we can get some good footage of them hunting because again, I want to be able to show that off. Now, speaking of housings, there are one thing I've realized with these guys, and this is the problem and why I don't like to give advice on setting things up that when I transition from say, I don't know, tarantulas, so I do some scorpions or centipedes or whatever. There are times where there are things I figure out after I set them up. I am no expert. I read as much as I can about them, but a couple things eluded me early on, especially with the huntsman spiders. Somebody came on one of the, the videos I posted and said, be sure to put something like cork bark on the tops of their enclosures because they need that to molt. It's not like tarantulas that will molt like they build little sacks. These guys will hang upside down when they molt, and if they don't have enough space and they don't have a good enough place to web themselves to, that can cause complications. I was like, man, I've not heard that before. I did, I did hear that they like to molt up high. I did think that by putting in plastic plants, and if you when, whenever I get some video of these guys' setups, you'll see that I purposely have plants that go as close to the top as I could to kind of give them a spot that they could cling to when they molt. Because I did see a lot of pictures out there of them in the wild molting off of leaves and branches and such. However, I didn't even think to put anything on the top of the enclosure, and that's something I got to keep in mind. It was more for they, the person that chimed in said for the bigger ones. For the smaller ones, they can get away with just hanging off the plastic or the plants, but they said when they're bigger, you want to give them something really substantial and kind of rough that they can web to so that they can create those webs to get out of their old exoskeletons and have a good molt. So that's something I didn't know right off the bat that I learned that I'm making sure now when I'm eyeing these enclosures, I was trying to find some nice enclosures yesterday and a lot of them have the top, the lids. I was looking at some of the ones like uh, tarantula cribs, primal cages, reptazoo, the ones that everybody, the acrylic ones are all very similar. And I was eyeing those out and I was looking at ones that open from the top and I'm like, wait a minute, I would probably ideally want to make sure that I stick a piece of cork bark or something to the top to make sure that they can molt there. 
And I will say, I heard this information. I read up about it. Like, yep, this sounds like a, a legit piece of advice, which is great. And then my H. Tetrica black molted, and she actually dangled herself from the top of the enclosure, the plastic in the enclosure. Now, I do have, I'm looking over at her right now. I did set her up with an enclosure. Where I put the cork bark all the way up to the top on purpose and put the plant coming off the cork bark up to the top of the enclosure so she could use that. But she instead went to the top of the plastic, molted, hanging upside down. Her old molt was hanging there for a while. It was kind of cool. So definitely something to keep in mind that you do need to remember they are not tarantulas. We get used to, I've set up hundreds of tarantulas. That's kind of where I start my husbandry from with a lot of these new species of spiders I'm keeping. But in some cases, it's not the correct setup. Just you have an arboreal tarantula doesn't mean that an arboreal spider is going to need the same type of setup. With, for example, the Fufia species, one of the things I've read is that they will do some burrowing. They also like some bark that's right against the ground so they can do their tubes up the bark. And they like a little height. And I've heard that some of the Fufia species can have really tall little, they'll go up as high as they can and do those little tubes all the way up the side of the tree. So when I set those up, when I move these guys out of their little dram vials, I need to come up with something that's going to allow them to be able to not only burrow a little bit, but give them room up top so they can make their tubes. With P. regius, these are spiders that like to have some things, anchors, not so much for the webbing, but to be able to jump around and hunt from. So if you just put in one piece of cork bark and not much else, it's not really a Spartan enclosure like that isn't the best for one of them. You want to give them some twigs, some things to bounce off of, some branches so they can go around when they hunt because you'll see they'll bounce from one thing to another. It's absolutely adorable. So special considerations as far as housings is definitely important. Keep in mind if you make that transition to do your homework, find out these little things. Like, for example, the huntsman like needing something to hang from the top. Find out these little things. Talk to people. Find out some of the details of how their husbandry differs from tarantulas. Because I, and I'm sure this is my first attempt at doing this. I'm sure as I keep these longer, there will be more things that I can add to it. I'm pretty positive that when I put this one up, some people will be chiming in with some other things, which would be great. Because again, this is I learned from you guys as well. I, I never want it to seem like I'm coming out here in these podcasts, especially ones like this, and throwing it all like, yep, I'm an expert. No, no, no. I'm sharing what I've learned so far. I'm sharing even a couple instances where I didn't take things into consideration that I definitely needed to. So feel free to chime in with your experience. I know a lot of you folks out there have a lot more experience, a lot more time working with these animals than I do, and I'd love to hear from you. So finally, I think the big thing, and this was proven out in the original Swift's unboxing video with the H. Maxima cave ties or whatever they, species they are, the speed. Somebody was talking to me the other day about how their GBB is one of the fastest things they've ever had and they're super fast and would a GBB get me ready for huntsman spiders? And my answer was an emphatic absolutely not. These And everybody saw the video where I had the huntsman and it got out, went right up my arm in a blink. Luckily I was able to pin my sleeve down but it got in the wrinkles on my shirt and Billy had to go find it. They are so fast. This is the first time I've ever felt the need to go out and buy a butterfly enclosure to do rehousings in because some of these spiders are so quick I know that I can't react quick enough if one of them decides to bolt so the best thing I can do is have an area that if it bolts it doesn't escape and then I can wrangle it when it calms down and stops so the speed is not to be underestimated and I can't stress that enough you can see what happened when I underestimated it it could end up with a lost spider they are faster than any of the tarantulas I've worked with by far. Slings, adults, I know I had somebody come on there, oh, I've had an H. Polker piece. It was super fast. Yep, I've had an H. Polker piece super fast too. These guys blow it out of the water. It's not even close. They just, they are true teleporters. Now, unfortunately, 
I think this is what, just from some of the comments I've received when I post up videos of the true spiders, whether it be the Huntsman or I don't think I've posted up any of the wandering spiders yet, but one of the biggest comments I get is I can't deal with that speed. And I get that. It's, it can be very, very, very intimidating because you know that in the blink of an eye, this could go from an easy rehousing to a where the heck did the spider go, which again, I think the best advice I got out of there was to use the butterfly enclosure as, you know, kind of a, a place to do the rehousings in because that way, if they bolt, you let them go. You don't try stopping them with your hands. That's how you get, you know, bit or accidentally crush a spider. Let them go, let them pause, hide in one of those corners and then go back and get them out. But so I do think is the speed manageable? I'm finding that it is. I'm finding that I'm getting a little better at recognizing when some of them will just flatten out. Like, for example, I went to feed my wandering spiders the other day, and I went to open the enclosure because I dropped in a roach that was way too big for the wandering spider. I could tell it wasn't going to go out. I, I overestimated the size of it, so I had to get it out, and I reached in there. That thing flattened up against a leaf and tried to hide for a bit. So I'm starting to see signs that they will try to hide first, but again, if that thing had tried to bolt, I was inside the whole butterfly enclosure thing. So it just would have ran right out and hopefully ended up in the butterfly enclosure. So the speed is definitely something to take into consideration. I've actually started drilling holes in the caps of dram vials that I keep the faster spiders in and putting a piece of tape over it. With a piece of tape, you can either take a little cornstarch and put it on the underside of the hole, which will stop the tackiness, or you can just cut a little square out of another piece of tape and put it over there so it's not tacky to the spider. But what I do is make little hatches that I can drop the roaches in because if you try to pop the tops off those, and this is what I did the whole time I had H. David Bowie. I kept popping the tops off and trying to feed them. And my God, I can't tell you how many times one of them escaped on me. It was a nightmare. I wish I had thought of this before, but now I have the little hole. I pull that piece of tape off. I take appropriately sized roach, pop it in the hole for the huntsman, works for the huntsman, works for the wandering spiders. They grab it. They're on it in a heartbeat. They're fed. They're fine. I didn't have any chance of escape. So something, that, a little bit of advice. And then again, do feedings inside. If you're really worried about it, do feedings inside one of those butterfly enclosures to make sure that they can't get out. And that's about it so far is what I've got for for major differences. And again, they're not major. They're just a different type of spider. A lot of your basic tarantula husbandry will work out well with them, especially with the smaller ones. If you're used to keeping slings and keeping moist slings, I keep all these guys nice and moist. The Fufius, I keep a little on the drier side, but I give a moist corner. The one time I overdid it with the moisture, that's when the one built the little tube going up the side of the enclosure. So obviously it was like, yeah, this is too moist. I'm going up the tree here. But the, the husbandry is the same. They eat. They molt just like regular spiders. They hunt. I mean, overall, it's just like tarantulas, but much faster and much more active is the best way I can put it. And as far as enclosures, you can use a lot of the same stuff you're using for your tarantulas. For these guys, you can use the dram vials. You can use the 32-ounce deli cups. Just be careful with the deli cups. Again, what I would do is poke a hole in the top of it, put a little piece of tape over it. So Because if you open up the whole top of that thing, you have a very good chance of the spider trying to bolt out. And I could see a terrible mishap happening where you go to slam the cover on and, and squish the spider. So having that little hole to water, I've used it. I also have the little spray bottle, or the little bottle with the nozzle that I use. I can stick it right in that hole, moisten down the thing without having to worry about aggravating the spider. It's just been working great. But again, I know there's going to be folks out there here, and I'm not trying to convince people to try it out. I'm just sharing how my mindset has changed from a few, even a couple of years ago. People were asking me when I was going to start keeping some of these guys. And I'm like, eh, we'll see. I get it now. I totally get it. For those of you that have been asking me to keep, you know, true spiders, trap doors, whatever it may be, I get, I get it now. They are amazing. It's just another aspect. If you love arachnids, if you love 
tarantulas. There is a lot to love with these guys when you're ready. And again, people ask, you know, are they beginner species? I, I Honestly, I think the speed is going to turn a lot of people off. Speed is something that, again, we've talked about before, can cause panic. I think wolf spiders, I've spoken to a lot of people who have kept wolf spiders as their first arachnid and done very, very well. They are active hunters. They are fun to watch. They're great eaters. They grow quickly. I still got to get some wolf spiders, but I've been doing my homework on them because that's the next next one up. I think we're getting a couple wolf spiders. But I think that's one that most people could keep without too much issue. Yes, they're fast but they're going to be along the ground, give them some places to hide, they'll eat, they'll be no problem. Huntsmen can be obviously intimidating because of the speed and they're arboreal and they can teleport. So I think you probably need some experience with spiders and rehousings in general. Same thing with the wandering spiders. Don't want to mess with something that's that fast. You definitely want to stay away from the more potent ones as well. P. Regius, the regal jumping spider, or any of the jumping spiders, definitely a good one to start off with. They're so cute, so inquisitive. That's one, that, especially people that have, still have a little fear of spiders, tend to really dig them. The care is very simple overall, though the babies can be a little bit tough to keep alive. But if you get a well-started one from a dealer and grow them up, they are, they're very satisfying, very easy to deal with. Honestly, really easy ones to deal with, but most people are going to shy away from are... Latrodectris species, the widows, I found very easy to keep. They're not nearly as quote unquote defensive or aggressive as people make them out to be. However, obviously they can pack quite a punch with that venom. So that's going to be something that's going to give people pause and they, they would have to think long and hard about whether or not they want to take the chance of having a spider that really isn't that bad and pretty easy to keep, but does have that potential for a nasty bite. It's kind of like when you keep pokies, there's always that potential there, but I found them very easy to deal with. So there are ones that you could transition with. I have to keep more before I can say, like, could I do a beginner list of true spiders or trapdoor spiders, or personal, whatever it may be, sand spiders? Not at this moment. I got to keep more. I have to try more species, see what's out there. But that would be something I'd look to do in the future is put together kind of a list of, all right, you want to move into keeping the true spiders? Here's where you could start off. So, that should do it for this one. Again, I know this is one of these ones that there's going to be people that all they want to hear about is tarantulas, and this is going to be a turnoff. But I do hope some people that are on the fence may try to pick up some of these species and give them a try. Some folks that are like, nope, I have no interest in it. Believe me, I get you. That was me for years. But maybe down the road, they go, hey, you know what? I want to give some of these a try. And then suddenly... This podcast has some meaning to them, has some worth for them. It's always tricky when doing the podcast topics, especially ones that are out of the realm of what I usually do, because there's going to be a lot of folks out there like, I have no interest in this. But I have done these before and had people come back and go, hey, you know what? I didn't care at the time, but now I'm into them. This is awesome. So I always think of the long game as far as these are concerned. There will be at some point more people coming to me looking for general spider care, and we're going to plant the seeds here. And again, it's coming from, I think it just would be neat for people to hear from somebody that swore off the true spiders for so long, wasn't interested to hear how much I'm really enjoying them now. So that will do it for this one. Uh, I probably will not hear... Well, I'll probably not hear from you guys. You guys probably won't hear from me, unfortunately, till the day after Christmas. So I hope that those of you that celebrate Christmas have a very Merry Christmas and get everything you want, whether it be spiders, enclosures, whatever it may be. I hope you guys all have a great one. And the next time you'll hear from me will be right after Christmas. So, you know, we'll be winding up for New Year's and we can put 2021 behind us and hopefully 2022 is better and doesn't involve pandemics. So that'll do it for this one. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me on timesbigspiders.com. Guys, stay safe. Have a great holiday, and we'll catch you all next time.